The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of hope. The prophet's words speak of a Messiah who would bring redemption and peace to his people. Humankind hopes for many things, but our longing for a savior was our greatest desire. This hope was fulfilled in the birth of the Christ child. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light this candle as a symbol of Christ our hope, remembering the words of the Christmas carol. Amen. I want to uh, invite you to take a moment and share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today.
Just a few things I want to mention uh, tonight because of the holiday week. We will not be having any activities this evening. Wednesday, we're back on regular schedule with uh, children, youth, and adults. There is a boys' club event that you'll want to uh, notice if your uh, children are involved in that. Next Sunday evening, we will have a service of baptism, and we're excited about the people who are coming to be baptized. If you would like to be baptized, have you not yet talked to me about that, uh, please do so today or tomorrow and uh, we, so we can prepare you for that event. There are uh, also on Saturday of uh, this coming week, we are hosting a seminar by Andy Bannister. And um, Andy uh, works a lot with um, uh, Christian, Muslim connections and uh, evangelism to Muslims. Uh, works with Ravi Zacharias Ministries. He will be here Saturday uh, for a seminar. There's, a, there's some um, uh, information inserts in the back. Uh, we would love to know if you're coming so we have know how to plan. So you can just uh, take that insert, tear off half of it, and fill out the information. Keep the other half to just remind you about the event. And you can pick those up on the table in the back. Uh, also, uh, back there are uh, devotional guides during the season of Advent. You can use them. They're for the Sundays in Advent. You can use them uh, individually as family, uh, your friends uh, in your dorm apartment. And uh, it's, uh, it's a way to remind us of the season of Advent and to keep it in front of us. Also in the back are the recipe books from our Fruit of the Spirit uh, series. And uh, they are on the back table as well. If you've not yet picked up one of those, please feel free to do so this morning. I want to invite you to join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. We'll read responsively. God of love, all year long we pursue power and money. All season long we want more possessions. To the work of our Lord Jesus who comes among us full of grace and truth. When we allow darkness to overcome the light. When we reduce Christmas to things. When hardness of heart keeps us from seeing and believing in your son. Now you are walled about with a wall. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike upon the cheek, the ruler of Israel. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in travail has brought forth. Then the rest of his brethren shall return to the Lord, the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. 
For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this shall be peace when the Assyrian comes into our land and treads upon our soil. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in affirming our Christian faith through the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the begotten of the God Father, the only begotten, that is one essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten and not made, of very same nature of the Father, by whom all things came into being, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, who for us humanity, for our salvation, came down from heaven, was incarnate, was made human, was born perfectly of the Holy Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, by whom he took body, soul, and mind, and in everything that is man, truly and not in semblance. He suffered, was crucified, was buried, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, and with the same body, and sat at the right hand of the Father. He is to come with the same body, and with the glory of the Father, to judge the living and the dead. Of his kingdom, there is no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in the created and the perfect, who spoke through the law, prophets, and gospels, who came down upon the Jordan, preached through the gospels, and lived in the saints. We believe also in one universal apostolic and holy church, in one baptism in repentance for the remission and the forgiveness of sins, and in the resurrection of the dead, in the everlasting judgment of souls and bodies, and the kingdom of heaven, and in the everlasting life. Amen. As the ushers assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings, please stand as we sing the glory of Batri. Father, in the season of Advent, as we think of the coming of Christ, we remember your amazing generosity to us. May our gifts today express our gratitude and our resolve to give generously of all that you've given to us. 
for the sake of and through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The one who comes to us in love and mercy that we celebrate in this season invites us to come to him with our prayers, our concerns, our burdens, our expressions of gratitude. As we pray together, if you would like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we begin another Advent season, we are asking you to open our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our spirits to Christ who has come for us. We pray that you would help us to be more teachable that we would desire for you to change us, that we would hunger for your eternal word, 
we would have a passion to be renewed by your Spirit. Father, in a world that so often solves problems with force and violence and power, we pray that you will teach us the ways of peace and humility and love. Make us people who are more interested in helping others in need than in conquering them, controlling them. We pray that you would fill us with courage to defend the defenseless, to protect the helpless, to stand up for those who are most vulnerable in this world. Father, we, we know of many of the events in our world and the need for peace. We pray that you will give to leaders of nations the desire and the ability to respond to turmoil with wisdom that would minimize the conflict rather than escalating it. Father, we also pray for those who are struggling to, cont- to recover from recent disasters. Bring hope in the midst of despair. Healing in the midst of great pain. Comfort in incomprehensible grief. And let your people be the presence of Christ. changes lives. As we prepare the way of the Lord this Advent season, we pray that you will help all of us and those connected to us in this world who are suffering. Be with all who are lonely and hungry. We pray that you will heal all who are struggling with illness and disease. We pray that you will comfort all who are grieving and that you will give peace to every person worried about the future. Give us direction as we stand at the crossroads of life's uncertainties. Father, we believe that you are the one who can reconcile what seems irreconcilable. That you bring encouragement when it feels that all hope is lost. That you provide for needs that seem far too much. Father, we pray today all of this. We offer our prayers through Christ, the incarnate, eternal Son, And the one from whom we learn the model for prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come the long expected Jesus born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find a rest in So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as heirs are under age, they are no different from a slave, although they own the whole estate. Heirs are subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by their father. 
So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as children. Because you are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We are a culture that is um, enamored with time. I suspect that uh, we all have numerous timepieces in our homes, probably numerous timepieces in the same room. Right? Uh, you know, I think about the kitchen. There's a clock on the microwave and there's a clock on the stove. And, uh, you know, we, 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 are, we, we do a lot with time. 
You know, we have have timepieces, we have watches. Ironically, I forgot to wear my watch today. Uh, We we have clocks on our phones uh, that we carry with us so that we're never without a clock. Time is, is so important to us. We are always thinking about time. And uh, the comedian uh, Victor Borger once said that he could tell time by his piano. And his friend said, what are you talking about? And he said, I'll show you. He sat down at his piano. He started banging on it over and over again. Pretty soon there was this knock on the wall. And the apartment next door said, stop that racket. Don't you know it's 1.30 in the morning? It's not just, you know, us individually at the church we think about time. You know, what time are we starting? What time are we ending? Uh, during, the, uh, pr- during the Fruit of the Spirit series, we were putting Bev's beautiful paintings on the facing of the back wall. And the first one was the strawberry about love, and it was right in the middle. And so that meant we had to remove the clock. And that made a lot of people nervous that we were going to have church without a clock. So... Yeah, actually made me a little nervous. So we had a, we had a little uh, you know alarm clock up here that we could see with really big numbers on it. And um, but I suspect if we didn't have a clock, at some point someone would say, "Wait a minute, time out. We've been here long enough. Let's go home." We we are enamored with time, and we're always thinking about time. But it's not just time. We also have a lot. We also think a lot about timing. The timing of things. We, if we're out driving in a city and we're able to make it through a few lights, we'll say, man, we timed that perfectly. Or you're on a trip and you get there when you want to. We say, wow, we timed that just right. That was perfect timing. You got here just in time. And we talk about people being ahead of their time. We're not just talking about clocks. We're talking about timing. In the Greek, there are two words in Greek that typically used to, to describe time. And one of them is chronos. And you can imagine that's the word we get chronology from. And, and it talks, it's about hours and minutes and days and weeks and months and years. It's those definite moments. It's definite time periods. But the other word is kairos. And that really is talking about Timing. It's not so much limited by an hour, it's just when things happen. That, that they, they come about when they need to take place, and they're done when they have finished. And it doesn't really mean anything about a clock or about how we measure time. It's about measuring the event, and it's thinking about the moment. And what I find fascinating is that we aren't the only ones who think about time and timing. So does God. In fact, you could make the argument that the kingdom of God is all about timing. You go back to the Old Testament and God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son through whom all the world will be blessed. And Abraham's 75 years old. Sarah is 74. They have no children. And God says, I'm going to give you a son. Okay. 25 years later, Isaac is born. You wonder how many moments in those 25 years, Abraham said, God, timing? The Israelites go into Egypt and 
Initially, it's a good thing. It rescues them from famine. Joseph is there, and, and they set up camp, and, and they, they multiply. In fact, they become so large and powerful that the Egyptians are afraid of them, and so they enslave them. And the people cry out for God to do something. God, come. How long do you hear us? Are you going to rescue us? Are you going to save us? And God says, you bet I am. And 400 years later, Moses says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Timing. The Israelites for centuries asked God, when is the promised one coming? When is the Messiah going to arrive? When is this one you've talked to us about for so long who's going to save your people? When is he coming? Timing. And they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait until a baby is born in Bethlehem. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4 that at just the right time, God sent his son. When the time was just right, when everything was in place, when the, when the time came about that God knew was perfect, Jesus was born. I don't know exactly what made that moment the perfect time. There are theories about the Roman Empire and that you know, sort of there was this universal language, the, ro- the road system and all of that. And I'm sure that has something to do with it. But we don't really know. Only God knows. But Paul tells us that was not a coincidence. That was the perfect time. And when we think about the timing of God and the kingdom of God and the coming of Christ at just the right time, it says something to us about the nature of God. It tells us that God is omniscient. That God knows everything that's going on. Because how else could you possibly know when the right time was? I mean, you and I ask ourselves and we ask each other, is this the right time or not? I'm not sure because we don't know. God doesn't have that discussion. He knows. It also speaks to us about the uh, omnipotence of God, the, the power of God. It's wonderful that God can know the right time for things to happen. It's something else entirely for him to be able to act on that moment without any restraints. And God does. He not only knows the right time, he is able to step into that time because there is nothing that can constrain him from doing so. Because he is the almighty God. And speaks to us about the the character of God, that he is good and loving. That's what motivates him to do all of this in the first place. God looks at us and he he has compassion on us. He sees that we cannot do anything about our fallen condition. He will do it. And that's that's the entire reason that the baby is born in Bethlehem. The timing is essential. 
we, we hear that and we think, yeah, that's great. I, I understand that, that the, the, the timing of God's important. But of course, the moment we talk about the timing of God, you have to talk about waiting for his timing. There's just no way around it. And we don't like to wait. See, what's 10 seconds? You guys are freaking out on me here. I know you're thinking, has he forgotten what he's supposed to say? Is something not going right up here? Things aren't running on all cylinders for a second. Just that little bit of time, we don't want to wait. I apologize in advance to to the uh, physicians that are here this morning, but, you know, one of the most frustrating places in the world is a waiting room. I mean, we've given up all hope of, of, not, of not waiting. We just call it that. You know, we just, let's just call it what it is. It's a waiting room. Right? And it's not just, you know, the same, the same thing is true as if you go to the mechanic, you know, you're waiting in your car, or you're at the airport, you know, you're waiting for an interview of some kind. You know, these places, we try to give them fancy names, lobbies and foyers and those kinds of things. They're just waiting rooms. Right? And, uh, you know, and, and the, it, it's, it's the most frustrating place in the world. We don't like to wait. In fact, we do everything we can to maximize the time we might have to wait. You know, you see people who walk into a place where you wait, into a waiting room, and they're loaded down with stuff. Because they might have to wait for 15 or 20 minutes or half an hour so we bring all kinds of things with us to maximize the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it just belies the fact that we don't like to wait. But the moment we talk about the timing of God, it can't avoid the conversation about waiting for God. And that's the challenge of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. We are in these four weeks sort of getting a a little sense of what Israel goes through waiting for centuries. For the chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah to appear. So the question that comes to our mind is why, why do we have to wait? Why, what is it about waiting that, that God is so infatuated with? I'm convinced that we need to learn to wait because it's the only way we can learn to trust. I, don't, I, I cannot see any way we can truly learn to trust God until we learn and are willing to wait for God. If God gives us everything we want in the moment we ask for it, what trust are we really developing? God's just a vending machine. And, you know, you you put in your, your money, you push your button, you get what you want. 
But God wants more than that. He doesn't want to be a vending machine. He wants a relationship with us. And relationship is built on trust. You cannot have any kind of healthy relationship that isn't built on trust. We know that about our human relationships. How much more our relationship with God. And the waiting for God's perfect timing puts us in a place where we have to decide, am I going to trust God or am I going to run from God? There are people through the centuries who wait for the Messiah and give up hope and run. And we do it as well. We're tempted continually to say, that's too much, that's too long. I don't want to wait anymore. And we run ahead or we run away. And God is willing to take that risk because relationship with us is that important. And he wants us to learn to trust him. And out of that trust, we begin to affirm and acknowledge that God's timing is better than ours. I think back to the 11th chapter of John's gospel. Lazarus is sick. His sisters, Mary and Martha, realize that this is serious. So they send word to Jesus, who is off a ways, and say, could you come and help us? Because Lazarus is very sick. And Lazarus is one of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus spent, and disciples spend a lot of time in Bethany at Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house. It seems to be the place for, for respite for Jesus. The place where he goes to get away from all of the things that are weighing on him. And all the demands. They're close. And word comes to the disciples and Jesus, and I can almost picture the disciples beginning to pack up stuff and say, we got to go. And Jesus says, no, not yet. Let's wait. Really? It sounded like he was pretty serious, I know. So an hour later, okay, time to go. No, not yet. A few hours later, time to go now? No, not yet. Tomorrow? Next day? No, not quite. Two days after the the word comes to Jesus, he says, all right, let's go. And they make their way to Bethany. And by the time they get there, Lazarus is dead and he's in the tomb. And Martha sees Jesus coming and she runs to him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, parentheses, if you'd come when I asked you to, none of this would have happened. And Mary comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, if you had come when I asked you to, we wouldn't be in this predicament. And Jesus says, I know it looks bad, but I've got something in mind. And he turns to the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man comes to life. And people all around that area are astonished at the power of Jesus and many follow him. Often the waiting, the timing of God is moving us from what is good to what is best. 
And somehow we have to see that, understand that. It's difficult for us. Sometimes the waiting is about other people. God allows us to wait because he, want, he needs to do something, he wants to do something in someone else's life. And doing it in their life means we need to wait. I think about the fifth chapter of Mark's gospel. Jesus is walking along a crowd of people. Soldier, Roman soldier comes to him and says, my daughter is, is ill. I, I wonder if you would come and heal her. And Jesus says, yeah, I'll do that. And so they're making their way along and a woman sees him in the crowd. She's been struggling with bleeding for years. And she thinks to herself, if I can just touch Jesus, I'll be healed. And she does touch him and she is healed. But Jesus stops the procession and he says, who touched me? And finally, she comes forward and tells her story. And all the while, the soldier is fidgeting off to the side. Jesus, come on, my daughter is sick. You're wasting time here. She's healed. It's done. It's over with. Let's move on. But Jesus says, no, I need to talk to this woman. I I need her to know that I'm not just a vending machine for her healing. I want her to know I love her. I care about her. She's important to me. And when that is finished, they make their way back and word comes to them that the daughter has died. And Jesus says, have faith. It's not over yet. And he goes to the soldier's home and he raises this little girl from the dead. And something that the, that the Roman soldier couldn't have imagined happens. Jesus needed to deal with this woman. He needed to talk with her. He needed to, to, to help her to know how much he loved her. And to do that, it meant putting this little girl on hold for a second. But even in that, Jesus does something miraculous. Waiting is hard. Ultimately, the trust that God is trying to build in us is to make our relationship with Him deep in a, in a way, deep in a way that we can't do any other way. Paul talks about not just the perfect time that Jesus comes, but he says, out of the coming of Christ at that perfect time. It means that we are not just slaves to God. We are children of God. We are heirs of his promise. And we can call him Abba, Father. And I have in my mind this, this picture. The word Abba is often, often put into English as the word Daddy. And I have in my mind this image of a little child who's so trusting of her father. That she crawls up into her father's lap and nestles into his arms and falls asleep. Because this is a secure place. Her father can be trusted. How much more our father in heaven calls us to wait so we can learn to trust so that we can experience him as father.
I suspect that there are things that each of us comes with today that we are questioning God's timing. We're struggling to wait. Every one of us. Because it's life. It's the way it is in our world. We are wrestling to believe that God's timing is right and that waiting is good for us. Advent reminds us that waiting is not a curse. It's a gift. Waiting is a gift from God. Because in the waiting, we learn to trust. And in the trusting, we find relationship with God that we can experience no other way. So as you think about that circumstance, that relationship, that decision, that struggle, whatever it is, in these moments of silence, Affirm once again your willingness to wait for God's perfect timing because you trust Him. And feel His arms of love and compassion and grace wrapped tightly around you. Father, with open hands, we declare that your timing is best and we ask for grace to wait on you that we might learn to trust you more so that we might experience the fullness of what it means to be your children. Pray this through Christ. Amen. Please stand as we sing together our closing song.
receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.